the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. Run your law firm the right way. This is the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. I'm Jim Hackney. And I'm Tyson Mutrix. What's up, Jimbo? Morning, Tyson. It's Monday morning. It's the first day of the week. It's a good time to talk. Yeah, I don't know the last time we actually recorded an episode on a Monday because we normally do Tuesdays, but uh, how was your weekend? Uh, It was good. A little stressful running around with the kids and doing a bunch of different things, but life is good. I can't complain. Same here, same here. You want to introduce our guest of the week? Oh boy, I'm so excited. You know, last week I hopped on the call with Jim Aspel and I thought it was our week with Neil. Um, I was happy to talk to Jim, but I'm really excited to talk to Neil as well. Neil Goldstein is a true lawyer's lawyer. He has mentored me and helped us very much with the show. Uh, He's a personal injury lawyer from Long Island and he tells a great tale. We're excited to have him on the show today. So Neil, thanks for being here. I'm I'm honored to be here, and uh, thanks to you and Tyson uh, for giving me this opportunity, the first on a Monday, you said. That's great. I'm honored, and I'm happy to talk to you guys. So, Neil, as Jim said, we're we're really, really, really thrilled about having you on, but I think it's important for listeners that don't know you to really know your story. So, can you talk about kind of how you got to where you are now? Sure. Let's see if we can... uh, we can summarize this as best as we can. Uh, I come from a very broken family, and, and it's important to know that. That's part of my story. I come from an abusive household. Uh, my, my mom was mentally abused. She was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis uh, when I was very young. Her illness uh, progressively got worse. And I had two brothers, much older than me. And when my father left, I guess I was about 12 years old, it was just really me and my mother. And uh, it was a very difficult uh, situation uh, for me at that point. I had no practical parent, if you will. My mother at that point was in a wheelchair. And she, I guess she was concerned about all of us, but uh, concerned mostly about me, but really couldn't do much. We were, we were extremely poor. And I was not a bad kid, but I was lost. You know, I had no guidance. So ultimately, uh, I dropped out of high school. I think I was about, whenever I was allowed to drop out, I did officially. I remember going to my mother with the forms and saying, uh, I'm dropping out. She obviously was very concerned. And 
you know, tried, tried her best and hoped, I guess, that I would find my way. And uh, it was probably the most difficult moment, even when I think about it now. Imagine going to your mom, who's going through hell to begin with, and uh, telling her that you're dropping out. Now, fortunately, you know, after that, I found a, a lot of good people, people that I call human angels in my life that were able to help me put it all together. And a couple of years later, uh, after wandering around, I went back. I took my equivalency, high school equivalency diploma and uh, started out at community college. I guess I was uh, pretty good at it and uh, ultimately went to a uh, four-year school, four-year college, graduated Queens College here in, in New York and ultimately went to law school. And I, I guess probably uh, one of the greatest moments in my life, and there are, have been a few, uh, was uh, when my mother uh, was at Lincoln Center seeing me graduate law school. And uh, I'm glad that she was around to see that because I'm sure that repaired some of the damage that I inflicted. So that's, I guess, the, the beginning part. And then, of course, you know, uh, ultimately I went to law school and did my thing. Neil, that's a hell of a story. It reminds me of my father who dropped out of high school and joined the Marine Corps after his dad died. What was inside you that made you want to be a lawyer? What was, what was driving you after all that turmoil in your educational background? What made you think you could be a lawyer? A really, really, really good question, Jim, because I've thought about that, you know, very often, and I come back to uh, the same thing. You know, we all, we all have moments in our life when something happens, a moment when, you know, or moments when, when you put it together and you're able to, as, as Steve Jobs said so eloquently in his great uh, commencement speech to, to, I forgot the name of the college, but it was the only one he did. At some point, you're able to connect the dots. And that's what, you know, we all have to do is connect the dots, if, looking back, of course. And so when I look back and I connect the dots, I, I saw that, you know, as a teenager, imagine this, as a teenager, uh, when I was 15, 16, I was advocating for my mother because there was no, because at that time, there wasn't a lot of services for her. And so I remember running into the city, going before a Medicaid board and, and a social security board to help get her the benefits that she needed. And I know that sounds outrageous. Could you imagine your own 15 year old, your own 16 year old doing that? But I had no choice. I had to do that. You know, there was nobody else immediately around to help her. And, and I did that more than once, more than twice. And I have to say, most of the time I was pretty successful. Maybe people just felt bad for me. I think those were the seeds that were planted that ultimately made me feel as though, you know, I could do this for other people pretty well. And, and I guess, you know, that was at least part of the, the growth and the, uh, and the decision-making process uh, on becoming a lawyer. So, Neil, something we always tell people about is, hey, you know, you need to develop your story, you need to develop your why, and it's it's not an easy process for most people. Is it knowing your why and your story and all that? Is that something that came naturally to you, or did you have to work through it to really develop that? I did, but I didn't because you know, early on in my life, I remember saying, guys, I remember saying, you know, I made I made this through okay. I remember, you know, in my twenties, I'd say. Yeah, I'm pretty good. I handled this life pretty good so far, considering, you know, what I've, what I witnessed and what I went through. And the truth is, 
I didn't really handle it. You know, I, it was it it does affect you. Everything that we do, you know, as parents affects our children in one form or another. And I was affected by it. And and so ultimately, I think that at some point I started to put the pieces together and figure out, hey, this is my journey. This was part of my journey. And it took a long time to, to do this. And I'm going to embrace it. This is my story. I'm not going to hide from it. And I'm going to share it. Because when you share your story, you obviously strengthen yourself. And then you give strength to others. Because there's other Neil Goldsteins out there that may be in similar situations. You could strengthen them as well. And, you know, I, I, I know it sounds crazy, but, we, you know, we do talk a lot about marketing. Uh, and, you know, sharing your story may be the best secret around for marketing. Most people don't think about it offhand. Most people do, maybe not, maybe don't want to share it, and that's their prerogative. But when you do share your story, once you find out what your story is, it is a powerful, powerful marketing tool. Because in the end, guys, there's nobody else that has your story. Your story is unique to you. And when you market that, you gain a tremendous amount of marketing advantages. Neil, I want to transition into the logistics of your law practice and all those things we usually talk about. But before you do, I do have one more question. And that is, how did you not be angry? How did you get past the anger of all that turmoil in your childhood with your dad and your mom and everything? How did you sort of let that go and become the awesome man that you are? Wow. That's really tough because there are, there are moments that I think I'm still angry. But yes, for the most part, I live a really happy life because I had, I had wonderful people around me. I had, you know, as I, I refer to it, human angels, people alongside of me who were very supportive. And, you know, I'll just give you one quick story, guys. I remember I haven't seen my father. I've seen him one time in about 35 years. And so when my son was born, he was about five to six years old, I, I met my father for the purpose of seeing if he would be able to have a relationship with my son. Ultimately, it did not happen. He did not have the relationship, but I did meet him. And I remember looking in the rearview mirror, sitting in my car, waiting for him to come to the meeting point. And when I saw him, I was completely, at least for the moment, like my jaw dropped. I, I remember this man being 6'2", a huge man, you know, big guy. And then when I saw him in the mirror, must have been in his 80s at that point, I said, uh, okay, what am I going to do? Get angry at this guy now? I mean, it just did a whole thing on me. But the truth is uh, your, your anger drops with a lot of good people around you, a lot of good people who love you and care about you. And quite honestly, some good therapy. All right, Neil. So I'm going to I'm gonna start transitioning us into, as Jim puts it, the, the logistics of your firm. Will you tell us the setup of your firm? So, you know, how many people, what you all do, things like that. All right. So we are 100% personal injury work, nothing else. We do not do medical malpractice or product liability. We did medical practice for a long time. Then I decided that that wasn't working for us for a whole bunch of reasons. Uh, it's my partner and I. We have a great support staff of legal assistants, and we have three very experienced trial attorneys who work uh, as of counsel for us, and they do our trials. 
And what's the history of the firm, Neil? Talk to us about sort of how it got started, um, your partnership, and how it's grown. So in 1991, I joined this firm, which is the successor firm to another firm. And in that firm, the senior partner hired me as an associate. And I was always a go-getter. I had the fire in the belly from day one. And I brought in a lot of work. And at some point, you know, I, I... I guess I was putting the pressure on because I thought I was bringing in enough work that either I'm going out on my own or somebody's going to make me a partner. And uh, and he didn't want to lose me, so uh, I became a partner. Uh, ultimately, he moved forward, and he kind of, as he got older, kind of transitioned to something else. I brought in my existing partner, and we, my existing partner and I have been together for uh, almost 20 years now. So, Neil, I'm going to ask you a question. It's it's kind of hard for me to ask, but I I want to see if you can kind of think it through and go through it with me. You you come from a poor background, and and from from the outside looking in, it looks like you've got a pretty nice life. And have you had troubles adjusting from that poor background to a wealthier background? And again, I'm assuming some things, but because it, it can be challenging bridging that gap. And have you had those challenges? No, because <laughs> I'm being honest with you. Do you, do you, uh, I mean, do you know what I'm look, talking about, though? Yes, it's, yes. It's a weird question. Uh, no, it's not. It's, and I understand what you're saying because, you know, m- most of my clients are are, are people from lower uh, middle income backgrounds. So I see people of um, uh, difficult means and, and, and I see people in poverty now. And I, I meet my friends who knew me when and they're doing okay. I might be doing better. But here's the thing. I keep it simple. And I've always kept it simple in my life. It hasn't changed. And I'm very grateful for that. And I'm very grateful that I have a wife like that because that's essential. If you don't have somebody rowing in the same direction with you, you're in trouble. But simple, what does simple mean? To be honest, guys, I don't need to drive around in a Mercedes or a BMW. I'm not begrudging anybody that's doing it, but I don't need to do it. It's okay with me to drive the Honda or the Nissan. I'm not saying to do nice things for yourself. I do travel a lot because I, I really like that. And I wouldn't have been able to do that in another life. But I try to keep it very simple. I don't need to wear Armani suits. Do I buy better suits than I might have at some other point? Yes. But I try to stay as grounded as I, as I can. I try to teach my kids that. Not always easy. Now, you guys know that. It's not always easy. You see what's around you. But it's you know it's a good point you know sometimes it's difficult but i also remember where i came from and I, and it never leaves me ever ever neil uh what do you enjoy the most about practicing law that's changed <laughs> it really has jim uh, uh it used to be i loved going into court taking depositions i i really liked all of that mixing it up but over the last 10 more now maybe 15 years uh, gotten more into marketing, and I really enjoy it. And uh, I hope that over the next year or so, I start transitioning into 100% of my life will be marketing in, in one form or another. Uh, I still like, I have to be honest with you, there are two ends of the game that I still enjoy. One is uh, meeting the clients in the beginning, and I've been criticized by that from some of our colleagues. Uh, I meet a lot of, uh, of the clients that when they 
you know, when they first call us and they want, want to see a lawyer, I go there very often. And I, so I like that part a lot. I also like negotiating cases. I love going to mediations, love settling cases. So those are, those are two things that I still like doing, of course, along with all the, all the marketing. So Neil, where are you headed with this thing? Are you, do you want to grow the firm? Do you want to scale it more? Do you want to kind of stay where you are and maintain what you're doing now? In five years, how's the firm going to look? That's a good question because I, I, you know, it's, Many of us don't really think about it. I guess there's a lot of guys that are younger than me, but you know, I'm 57. So now I'm looking at, okay, five years down the road, what do I want to be doing? I want to be doing fun stuff with my wife, with my kids. You know, you don't know what life is going to bring you, right? Are we all prepared for that day when, when somebody knocks on the door? And God willing, that won't happen for a long time, but you never know. And it will happen to all of us. So I would like to do something, you know, over the next five years, I would like to do the things that I want to do. So that means, and you guys might be the first to know this in our, in our group, that uh, I am in talks right now in, to transition the firm, probably going to be some kind of merger, and I will be doing, you know, a lot more marketing stuff, meeting clients and meeting other lawyers to try and continue to do what I'd like to do. I actually have thought about also teaching just a little bit uh, at, a, at a college. I may do that. So, you know, I'm preparing myself to do the things that right now I really enjoy. And that's uh, marketing. And I think the firm is where we're in very, our discussions uh, with, uh, with other parties are going along very well. So I really think this is going to be a reality. We'll take a brief pause for a word from our sponsor. Thanks to our sponsor, Smith AI. Smith AI is a superior receptionist service for law firms, trusted by many maximum lawyers, including me. At my immigration practice, the hacking law practice, Smith's friendly U.S.-based receptionists respond to potential clients in English or Spanish, screen and schedule new leads, and even take payment for our consults. The best part is that they don't just handle these conversations by phone. They also have live agents and chatbots capturing leads on our website through their chat widget. They serve as our friendly gatekeepers while my team and I work uninterrupted. We get new clients and we get work done. How awesome is that? If you're in a solo or small firm, I know you'll appreciate this. Plans start at just $70 a month for calls and $100 a month for chats. They even offer a totally free chatbot, so there's no excuse. Try Smith AI today and see for yourself why attorneys like me say Smith AI receptionists are the secret to business growth. Smith AI offers a free trial and maximum lawyer listeners get an extra $100 discount with promo code MAXLAW100. That's M-A-X-L-A-W-1-0-0. Sign up and learn more at www.smith.ai. Trust me when I say don't let another day go by. Try Smith AI. We're back on the Maximum Lawyer Podcast with our good friend, Neil. You were just mentioned marketing, and I, I definitely want to talk to you about that because I know you're a student of school marketing and that you've segued into new school marketing. Talk to us a little bit about your mindset when it comes to marketing a law firm. You know, it's funny. I was listening to your to the, your great episode with John Janich. And, I mean, he hit you know the nail on, on the head there. And that is, you know, digital marketing is great. The reach is great. And, and I love it. I absolutely love it. But at the end of the day, you, you, at least, you know, for most of us, you have to meet the client. The client has to see you at some point. And 
uh, if you're not going to sharpen the saw, as we say, with respect to those things, meeting clients, seeing them, then uh, you've got a problem. You know, people want to do business with people that they like, that they trust. And if you can't put that together, then you're going to have a problem no matter how good your website is. So, you know, I'm a true believer in face-to-face -face communication with clients. You know, I've done a, a number of YouTube videos and a number of blogs about the biggest problem that clients have with lawyers, which is what? Lack of communication. My, my feeling always is client calls, pick up the effing phone. Talk to them. If you can't talk to them uh, uh, right away, talk to them, you know, in a few hours. But talk to the client. I can't tell you how many clients have called me and, and I've taken away cases from lawyers, big lawyers, much bigger than me, who are leading because they never met their lawyer. They only seen their lawyer once in two years. Uh, they don't talk to them. They can't get to them. Uh, that's not who I am. And it's worked out for me very, very well. Listen, I will be the first one to tell you, I'm not a great lawyer. I'm a good lawyer, but not a great lawyer. And I accept that. But I'm well liked and I'm trusted by all of my clients. I'm 99% of them. And it served me very well. So for me, it's always important to maintain. And I tell this to the rest of the team. You know, I tell the team we have what we call a hey call. How are you? And those calls have to be made regularly. And clients love that. It's important to them. And it makes me more authentic to the client. You know, I'll just leave you with one, one other story on this subject. I, I, I still go to my dentist who I went to uh, 30 years ago. Why? How well do I know how, well do I know how, how great he did in dental school? Is he the best dentist in the world? I have no idea. He could, he could have failed 10 subjects. I, I have really no idea. But I do know that when I go there, he makes me comfortable. I like him. He does the work competently because, you know, I never had a problem. It's a comfort level that you have to have with your lawyer. And are you doing enough to put that together? That's important. I love it. I love that message. Another question I want to, when it comes to marketing, I want to ask you about is you've done one of those nice, glitzy, glamorous looking videos, uh, overview, video, overview videos, and it, it looks amazing. Can you talk a little bit about the ROI or just the feedback that you've gotten from, from that video? Yeah, it's hard to give you an ROI because, you know, you can't quantify a brand video, right? This is a brand. It wasn't an educational video. I know which one you're referring to. And I spent a lot of money on it, Tyson, a lot of money. And I have no regrets because when people see that uh, video, and I've heard this from clients walking in, I want to meet the guy in the video. I loved your video. You know, I can relate to some of the things that you said. Again, building uh, trust and being authentic from your story, right? That's my story. Nobody ever, nobody can create the same video as me. It's my story. Nobody could write that, that story. It's my story. And so I could tell you based on uh, clients that have come in that I've met, you know, they, the, one of the first things they would say is, or they do say, uh, I loved your video. It was great. It was great. Now, do I know whether that was the tipping point for them to choose me over somebody else? I don't know, but I have to believe that it was a significant factor. All right, Neil, I'm going to ask you a question that Tyson asks people all the time. I'm stealing from his questions, and that is, what advice would you have for a 2020 Neil Goldstein? If you're graduating from law school in 2020, 
and you were starting your own firm, what would you, what advice would you have for that person? Okay, great question, because I'm going to give you the advice that screwed me up a, a couple of times. The first is find your dollars, meaning, you know, when, when I first started working for my, you know, the, the predecessor firm, I became a partner, even before a partner, when I was still an associate, I really wanted a big firm, and I wanted a glitzy firm. And I wanted, you know, somebody to walk in and see glass conference rooms and nice carpeting and nice pictures on the wall and lots of people working for me. That's what I wanted. And that's what I got. And I got a lot of problems from that, too. Because at the end of the day, while it's important to have a nice presentation, you have to mind your dollars because let me tell you, as a young attorney, I tell this to a lot of young lawyers, it's not always going to be a good year. Even after you have good years, you're thinking, okay, this is good. I've got this down now. No, it will rain. I guarantee it, guarantee it that you will have bad years. And are you prepared? And so if you're still making payments on things that you purchased or you have a rent that's crazy because you wanted to be in the Class A building, you're going to have a problem. What's my point? My point is be very, very careful about expansions and, and how you do it. Be very mindful of the dollars because they that will, as it did with me, seep into the household. And before you know it, holy shit, I, I don't have enough money saved for my kid's college or, you know, we can't take a vacation unless I put it on a credit card. You know, that that's what starts happening and you don't want that to happen. The other thing, of course, I would tell a young person is, is what I've been reiterating all along, and that is digital's great, but don't forget the handshake. Don't forget meeting the client. Don't forget, you know, trying to cultivate uh, old school clients through, you know, through social, real social events, uh, not digital social, because that will never hurt you, and, it, and I believe will always help you. Neil, you're so right about the the office rent, and most clients don't even care about it. They don't care what your office looks like, so it's it, it's it's so overrated. But tell me this: you know, the 1980 Neil Goldstein had different struggles than the 2020. What do you struggle with now? Like, what's the biggest thing that you struggle with? I struggle with a few things. I struggle with my health. I want to be healthy for my kids, and you know, I want to live. That's the truth. I want to live. I don't want to die early. And that some of that decision-making is out of my hands. And I, you know, I'm not trying to be morbid here on the show, but it is reality. You know, all of us are going to go at some point. And so when is when? And so this is, this is what I struggle with. When do I say, you know what? I don't need any more. I'm okay. I may not be the, the richest guy here, but I'm okay. And, and so at my age, uh, I start to think about how, how do I want to do this? Do I, do I want to work until I'm 80 every day? I, I've seen people like that, and the answer is no. Uh, do, I, I can't necessarily do a complete withdrawal now, but you know, I want to start thinking about it and taking some action because I want to spend whatever time I have doing the things that I want to do and being with the people that I want to be with. All right, well, we're going to be wrapping up, and first of all, I want to let everybody know that Neil very graciously bought unbelievably five tickets to Max Law Con for people that can't afford to come. So I want to publicly thank you for that, Neil. 
I really appreciate that. I think it goes to something else that I, I want to touch on, and that is the value of mentors. We're way too late having you on this show. Talk to us a little bit about mentors and sort of that idea of giving back. Oh, I love it. I love it. I, I just absolutely uh, love talking to young people and trying to help them where I can. Uh, I'm involved, you know, in uh, in the local multiple sclerosis uh, group. Multiple sclerosis, of course, is an illness that affects many, many people. And one of the things that I said to the director was, I want to talk to the young people who are in the families of people who have been uh, affected with with MS. And, uh, you know, I want to try and, and be there and to give whatever uh, assistance and help I can. And and so I really do like giving back because I have to believe that that's part of my journey. Having gone through some very difficult moments, if I can share that with, you know, some young people, you know, or the people don't have to be that young. I mean, if somebody's, you know, in their 20s or 30s and is an attorney and is struggling, I love doing that too. I love talking to young lawyers and giving them some advice from some stupid things that I've done, challenges that I've went through, and how calming and and how good is it to hear somebody else say, you know what, my credit card got declined too. You know, it it does it it makes a difference in your life. You know, and if I and if I can continue to do that, I, I'd be very happy. Great stuff. That's a good way to to wrap up the podcast. I do want to wrap things up before I do. Remind everybody to go to the Facebook group. There's a lot of great activity going on there. A lot of great information being shared. And I also want to remind everyone to go and register for MaxLawCon 2020. We're gonna have a ton of people there. It's gonna we're gonna have a lot of great vendors, a lot of great speakers. It's gonna be fantastic. Jimmy, what is your hack of the week? Now that our Facebook group has grown, we actually have people in most major markets around the country. And my hack of the week is to connect with those people. When you go into town, it's easy to just dive into your hotel, head to your work, and get out of town. I was lucky enough, and I've done this many times with many of our members, but I was lucky enough to have one of the best meals I've ever had and one of the best conversations I've ever had when I went to Long Island last year for a case. Neil and I went out to dinner. We had a big tomahawk steak that we split. And we had a great, we had a great time. We talked for about three hours. And I think that it's so easy to get caught up in the digital, but Neil's right. There's no substitute for human connection, for shaking hands, for giving hugs and having a meal together. Love it. Love it. All right, Neil. So we always ask our guests to give a tip or a hack of the week. Do you have a tip or a hack for us? I do. Uh, because I, I, my memory is starting to go on me and because I, I, have, I have ideas that pop into my head at, at the worst times, but uh, constantly I use an app called Otter, Otter Voice Digital. And it is uh, it is a great uh, way of speaking your mind very quickly. It, it actually uh, records all everything that you say in text format. It's searchable, and if you're having if you're doing an interview or a podcast, it actually separates the voices, so it works out very well. It's there is a, a free portion and a paid portion, but uh, it's wor- worked out really well for me either for a speaking event or a podcast or whatever whatever your needs are. Very good stuff. I use Otter as well. It's a a really good app. All right. So my tip of the week is a book that my mom gave me, and it's called The Coffee Bean. And it's it's just – it's a really simple lesson. It's a really, really 
easy read. I mean, you could probably read it in, I don't know, probably 30 minutes. It's a really tiny book. But just in a nutshell, you know, you look at a coffee bean and really all the power is inside the coffee bean. And you don't really get that power out until you boil it down. Um, and so it's, it's just a really cool book, really neat lesson. It's, it's like kind of like the book, you know, Who Moved Your Cheese kind of a thing. It's a really simple thing. But anyways, Neil, thank you so much for coming on. It's, it's been a lot, of, a lot of fun. And I'm just glad that we were able to share your story with people. Thank you very much. I appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you. Thanks, guys. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. To stay in contact with your host and to access more content, go to MaximumLawyer.com. Have a great week and catch you next time.